The Hamlet Podcast, Episode 85. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hamretty. In a little moment of quiet between his pre-show pep talk and the player's performance, Hamlet is having a chat with Horatio. At the end of the last episode, he had started to insist that he was not flattering Horatio when he said that his friend is even as just a man as ever my conversation coped with all. What advancement might Hamlet get by flattering his friend, who has nothing to offer but his personality? No, Hamlet says, and moves into his account of flattery, another trait he despises. No, let the candied tongue lick absurd pomp, and crook the pregnant hinges of the knee where thrift may follow fawning. Dost thou hear? Since my dear soul was mistress of her choice, and could of men distinguish, her election hath sealed thee for herself, for thou hast been as one in suffering all that suffers nothing. A man that fortunes buffets and rewards has ta'en with equal thanks. And blessed are those whose blood and judgment are so well commingled, that they are not a pipe for fortune's finger to sound what stop she please. Give me that man that is not passion's slave, and I will wear him in my heart's core, aye, in my heart of heart, as I do thee. Hamlet's point here is that he values the sincerity of his relationship with Horatio. Flatterers be damned. Let their candied or sweetened tongues fawn absurdly, and let them crook the pregnant hinges of their knees, bowing and scraping, where they think they might have something to gain. There's contempt even in the consonants of this writing. Let the candied tongue lick absurd pomp, and crook the pregnant hinges of the knee where thrift may follow fawning. All of those repeated F sounds at the very end, thrift that may follow fawning, start to sound like a snivelling animal of some sort. It's extraordinary writing. Hamlet continues, Dost thou hear? And pay attention, it's thou and not you, because he's being intimate with Horatio. It's not as though Horatio isn't listening, but rather that Hamlet has something important that he's about to say. Since my dear soul was mistress of her choice, and could of men distinguish, her election hath sealed thee for herself. Since Hamlet, or rather since his soul, was able to make his own choices, particularly of friends, and could distinguish between people, his choice, or election, sealed Horatio for himself. In some of the quartos, the line reads that she hath sealed thee for herself. In the folio, the election hath sealed thee for herself. The idea that a soul was female goes at least as far back as the Latin language in which it is a feminine noun. It's not that Hamlet thinks that his soul is female, but rather that all souls are female. His soul has sealed Horatio, or put a formal seal or stamp on him, designating him a true friend. Hamlet goes on to explain why. For thou hast been, as one in suffering all that suffers nothing, a man that fortune's buffets and rewards has ta'en with equal thanks, and blessed are those whose blood and judgment are so well commingled that they are not a pipe for fortune's finger to sound what stop she please. What Hamlet really admires is Horatio's level-headedness. He describes his friend as having suffered fortune's buffets and rewards, the lows and highs, and taken them all with equal thanks. His response was always the same, this kind of level-headedness. Given his own sea of troubles, 
It's only natural that Hamlet is drawn to a friend who can cope with these intense circumstances and not lose his head. Hamlet says, Blessed are those whose blood and judgment are so well commingled that they are not a pipe for fortune's finger to sound what stop she please. This is a terrific sequence of images. As ever with our prince, they come in a very fast sequence. Blessed are those whose blood, the sight of passion, and judgment, the more rational, analytic side of our nature, are so well commingled. In other words, happy are those who find a balance between passion and reason. They are not victims of fortune, reduced to a little musical instrument in her hands on which she can play whatever tune she might like. We've already had fortune rather lewdly mentioned in Act 2, Scene 2, but here she's made to seem rather more powerful. And again, Shakespeare is playing even with the consonants and the sequences in which they come. Fortune's finger to sound what stop she please. You can really, really hear it in Hamlet's mouth. Hamlet continues. Give me that man that is not passion's slave, and I will wear him in my heart's core. I, in my heart of heart, as I do thee. Heart of hearts is another common phrase that can be traced back to this play. Hamlet's point is that a man that is not passion's slave, a man like Horatio, is the kind of friend that he will keep not just in his heart, but in the heart of his heart. In my heart's core is also a play on words, since core comes from Latin via French, and also means heart. And Hamlet likes this so much that he then explains it. So he says, in my heart's core, the joke number one, I in my heart of heart. This is how much Horatio means to him. And this is why he began this segment of the speech with, dost thou hear? Rather sweetly, as soon as Shakespeare has allowed this tender acknowledgement of friendship to come into the room, he banishes it with an equally human touch of discomfort at such vulnerability, and a move back towards the matter at hand. Hamlet rather awkwardly says, something too much of this. Well, he's saying, that's more than enough of that kind of talk. Back to what he has been planning. There is a play tonight before the king. One scene of it comes near the circumstance which I have told thee of my father's death. I prithee, when thou seest that act of foot, even with the very comment of thy soul, observe mine uncle. Hamlet hasn't necessarily told Horatio about his imminent foray into playwriting, but they have obviously shared the experience of seeing the ghost. Now Hamlet is enlisting Horatio to keep an eye on Claudius, during the scene of the play that comes near the circumstance of how they believe Hamlet's father died, he wants Horatio to observe the king, even with the very comment of thy soul. Hamlet has just mentioned his heart of heart, and now he's trying to get Horatio to watch Claudius with his soul. The stakes are so high for him here, nothing less will be enough. He's so eager to get to the bottom of the matter, and getting so worked up about it, that he's speaking in these kinds of superlatives. For the actor playing Hamlet, the role is simultaneously a marathon and a sprint. The events of this particular evening within the story are a sequence of punishingly emotional and powerful and indeed long scenes. We are just getting warmed up, rather like the players themselves, and there's a great deal more to come. Next time, we'll be joined by the king and queen as they arrive to watch the play. And I hope you'll join me then. A little programming note for you. Next week, I will be back in Ireland, and so the podcast will, I trust, be online a little bit earlier again. You can always check for updates on Facebook or Twitter at Hamlet Podcast, and of course on the website, thehamletpodcast.com. 
as ever, thank you very much for listening, and I'll speak to you next time.